Welcome to the Hidden White Podcast, episode 1066. My interview with Graham Hill discussing carbonauts, climate change, and the big six. Graham, welcome to the Hidden White Podcast. Great to have you here today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, mate, very exciting. Whereabouts are you in the world? Uh, I am in Venice Beach. Venice Beach. Is that what I see behind you? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, no, it's just a green green screen of a cool piece of art I found somewhere. Yeah, nice. Yeah, Venice Beach, mate. So, look, you've got a fairly um, significant biography here, but um, without me reading through that, I always just ask you to give us a bit of a uh, recap as to who you are, what you do, and, and where you're going. Cool. Uh, uh, undercover Canadian from Quebec, studied architecture and product design, so I call myself a designpreneur. I ended up just having a real interest in business and as a like real entrepreneur from the early days and, and then I studied design and so I sort of look at myself that way. I've been in the U.S. quite a long time now, half my life, 25 plus years. Lived in Seattle and then uh, New York and now in Venice Beach. And uh, as of, I was uh, sort of very lucky to be in the right place at the right time and very interested in the internet and so I was built one of the first internet companies back in 95, building websites with my cousin Tish Hill, and it did really well. And, what was uh, that internet that. company? Uh, we just built websites. So, yeah, 95 was like pre-Netscape, pre pre-like, pre yeah. It was like people would confuse their website addresses with their emails. Like it was that early. We were, yeah, paper, printout, brochures telling them why they should be on the WWW. And uh, we just were early and did good work and got Microsoft as a client and they gave us millions of dollars of business and um, grew to 60 people and sold it. And so I was very fortunate uh, to make some money at an early age. And, and that gave me, uh, yeah. yeah, gave me real latitude to, to figure out, you know, do what I wanted to do. And I was just very interested in environmental matters. And so I've been focused on that area for 22 years since 2000 yeah. when I moved to New York. Yeah. For 20 years now? Yeah. So, so you studied uh, you know, environmental science or? No, uh, I studied architecture and product design. So just, uh, yeah, something that really appealed to me and uh, learned a lot. O- o- yeah, learned a lot over the years and, and uh, was, took me a couple of years to get it right, but I worked on a plant-based air filter in 2000. And then in 2004, and I had an idea in 2000 for a site called Tree Hugger, mm. a tongue-in-cheek name. And I started that in 2004. And that was at a time that environmental media was just terrible. Uh, and we came up with something new and really compelling that showed this beautiful green future. And uh, we were in the right place at the right time. And so we used blogs. So it was one, an early, early blog and uh, pushed really hard. So we were uh, very quickly the biggest green site on the web. Uh, so had a really central position uh, for a number of years there and then sold that to Discovery and worked for them for a number of years. And Treehugger is still going strong. It is a great site and great newsletter and it's owned by uh, now by IAC. Uh, my friend Neil yes, Vogel um, runs uh, .dash Meredith and it's, it's uh, so that's sort of fun. It ended up there and they're taking great care of it and very cool site still. Billions of web pages over the years. So just in, in information yeah. sort of resource center about environmental, climate change, all that sort of 
Yeah, quite design forward. So just trying to show people incredible, uh, inspiring architecture, product design, fashion, environmental news. Uh, so just get people you know educated, but also just inspired to to work and take part in this new incredible green future that we could see coming down the pike. And yeah, uh, so and we're uh, st we're still going. They're still going, which is awesome. And now carbon, so, uh, so, carbon yeah. now. Now the Carbonauts. So Carbonauts is about three years old. And uh, the premise of it is largely that the environmental movement uh, did a good job about raising awareness. So awareness is really high now. Uh, and climate doesn't care about awareness. <laughs> climate doesn't care about your feelings. Client cares about action, cares about what you do. Ultimately, it's a physics question. And so uh, we need to help take this mm. huge level of awareness and concern and uh, get people focused on action, actually doing something about it and starting to support some of the amazing solutions that exist in the world yeah. that are out there mm. um, that really need our support in order to build volume and lower prices and, and build the social norms to get everyone else on board. Uh, mm. So... So I just became really obsessed with the idea of how to move people from awareness to action and realize that it's, you know, we have a platform and we'll probably do an app and, you know, some of that stuff's good. But I think real change tends to happen in community uh, with accountability and around people. And so we run these live, highly interactive cameras on workshops uh, for big companies, we have some fantastic clients, Amazon, Chanel, Discovery, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, I should say, uh, Netflix, uh, News Corp, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and we help uh, them move their cultures to cultures of sustainability. Uh, many companies have really aggressive sustainability goals. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. You got to get your people rowing in the same direction and understanding and enthusiastic about this stuff yet the average person you talk about sustainability and they talk about straws and packaging stuff we have to fix for sure but but not the big stuff to focus on and so we just uh, help inspire and educate and and get people to take action and then yeah, talk about it build the yeah. social norms yeah so okay. we basically run these uh, fantastic workshops for uh, big companies, and we're starting to do uh, more uh, business-to-citizen uh, workshops as well, which we're excited about, uh, yeah, and all sorts of sustainability topics. Right. Yeah, good for you. Oh, the, um, did you ever think you'd be sort of doing this when you, you know, left school? <laughs> no, I studied architecture and product design, so nope. Didn't envision this at all, but that's the way. Uh, so tell yeah. me, I mean, with, before we go into the environmental side of things and, and what we can do there and maybe you can, you know, lose her a bit more of an awareness idea of where we're at and, and where we're heading. Um, but just going back to you going out and starting the website company, you said timing was, you know, ideal for you then, which is great. What would one piece of advice be to those, you know, doing something similar i mean you set yourself up and managed to sell a company making some some good money out of it which then allowed you to do that passion sort of pivot yeah yeah absolutely so i mean i mean not possible for everyone i guess you've got to be in the, the right circumstances to do that but what sort of advice would you give people that want to go out there and, and follow something they're very passionate about 
Well, I mean, I think following your passion is, uh, is of course, a great thing thing to do. And, you know, some of us have, we all, all have our strengths and parameters and advantages. And um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I definitely, having been at this for 22 years, I, I feel like uh, there's a real inflection point that we're going through. All of a sudden, it's really, uh, sustainability is going really well. So, I'd mm. almost say, uh, even if you didn't care about the environment, it's a strategically a smart place to get involved. Like, I think that uh, with the extreme weather and the amount of science mm -hmm. and just the, the time that we've been at this, I think the world is very much waking up to the reality of the situation. And that reality is we've really got to get on it. And so uh, I think that luckily that comes with it. Uh, what, what is coming with it are many companies uh, really investing in it and startups and big companies. And so uh, really there's starting humble. to be a real opp opportunity for working in the space, which is great, mm. uh, really, really, really good. So it's, uh, you know, it's it's uh, perhaps an ideal time to combine uh, the yeah, do well by doing good. And so yeah. you can take your take your passion and actually probably also do well, which is fantastic. That's exactly what we need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So talk to us about um, the, the current situation with climate change. I mean, he's talked a lot about awareness um, and companies getting more involved. Sometimes I feel companies are getting involved just to say, hey, we're green, um, but not actually really doing much to have impact or change. Mm -hmm. um, that's I'm just being the devil's advocate. Um, sure. Where where are we at with climate change, first, first of all? Sure. Uh, well, I think it's really important, you know, just to acknowledge that we're human, and humans love to point the finger elsewhere. It's always convenient if it can, if it's someone else's fault because then we don't have to do anything. And so uh, there's a lot of, you know, we point at the government or we point at corporations or the corporations point at the individuals. And I think to quote my friend Saul Griffith, it's really yes and. So we need all hands on deck and everyone is uh, complicit and we all need to be doing it, whether you're in the government or your private life or your company, uh, we this is all of our problem, and it's not helping by pretending it's it's just one sector or another. It's literally uh, all of us, and and we're really all com we're complicit. You know, unless you're living on a loincloth uh, somewhere and have a, a zero footprint, you know, you have you've lived a life which has included non FSC certified lumber. Um, you have driven on roads created with oil. You've probably driven gas cars. You've probably flown in airplanes. You've probably used plastic. And so uh, it's uh, intellectually dishonest for us to sort of point at these big companies as if sort of they're the bad people. And we also invest in them, work in them, buy their products. Yeah. And so I think it's it's really important that uh, there are bad or worse actors out there for sure. And sometimes, you know, very specifically, but for the most part, people have, you know, done what they've done with the best, with best of intentions. And, yeah. and so I think we just need to figure out how uh, we help in, in whatever, whatever area we are in and ideally all the areas. So I think you want to, you know, look at your, look at your life and think, think about where you can have an impact. And I think doing stuff at home, it's They're really important and yeah. try to influence that work and then uh, try to vote and get involved politically and get the right right people uh, doing the right stuff. But we we're, we're, uh, we just waste time by sort of pointing fingers and 
trying to make it someone someone else's problem. It's all it's clearly that this could not be more of a global problem, and it's it's really everyone and and. Uh, so we look at <laughs> if it is, look at climate change as a global make... problem. We've all got to get involved in whatever capacity that might look like to us individually. Um, where are we at with climate change, and how critical is it that we start doing stuff right now? Well, I think the if the the graph, which I think most people know, sort of made popular by uh, an inconvenient truth, is just that gap. The graph looking at uh, parts per million of carbon uh, in the atmosphere and you know, it's just gone up and up. And so there are many other things that are important that we have to get right. Biodiversity is really important. Plastics in the, in the ocean is really important. Uh, but carbon, we have to fix carbon. That's one That's one of the things that's very important. And so, you know, as a report card, looking at where we are at from the past 30, 40, 50 years, whatever, uh, it's not going, <laughs> it's not going great. Uh, and there's there's also some fantastic news, and and uh, you know, governments are really getting involved, companies are really getting involved, individuals are really so. There's a lot of great news, so it's really to look possible to look at this in different ways. But but you know we're uh, we we certainly haven't fixed it yet. We've got a, we've got a lot a lot of work to do, uh, and so we need to get on it. Sure. What would you say to someone that says it's just part of the environmental cycle that we go through this climate change process i still hear this and you probably hear it too yeah i mean listen it's it, like per per earlier it's fun to put, just point the finger because then you don't have to do anything and and you know it tends to align with whoever's incentives like oh interesting that the, your view is the one that that seems to suit you being the most comfortable going forward um <laughs> so yeah I, I don't think it's even worth going there just look, all of our all of our institutions are saying this is a really big problem. We have to like, if you just listen to the the vast, 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 vast majority of our scientists, and you know, we just we we know we know it's happening. So it's really it's not worth. And also, let's not vilify the the climate deniers. You know, they're they're have their own information ecosystem, which is full of other stuff, and and. We might be the same if that's what we were uh, around constantly. So, um, point. yeah, I, I just don't think it's worth. And 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 honestly, I think it's like like in terms of action, as an example, I think it's like get, let's get the choir doing the stuff. You know, mm -hmm. the amount of uh, I can see it personally. I think most people can. You look around yourself; like there are a lot of people talking about this stuff, but but are the, you know are they doing anything? Have they uh, L A apparently less than one percent are signed up for renewable energy it takes you like 10 10 minutes to sign up like evs they seem ginormous we got like i don't know five five percent at this point of uh like the the numbers are still still pr pretty low so uh i think the choir has a lot of work to do as well and i'm not i don't want to uh we want to meet people where they are and you know be accepting and not shaming but but I think, uh, yeah, we just gotta all start to get engaged. It's, just, yeah, it's yeah. not enough to to. It's not enough to do n nothing. It, listen to your institutions. Get involved. Um, you know, not not to point fingers, not to make people feel bad. Just there's a beautiful green future out there, uh, literally around the corner, and we have most of the tech, if not everything, we need to get there. And it, it's healthier, and it's happier. And it allows our species to flourish and and continue. 
Uh, and sure. so we want to get there. And a lot of it doesn't take that much sacrifice. So, uh, and a lot of it has major advantages to mm-hmm. like saving money and for health and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's a good picture. So, okay. What, um, so looking at now action that we can take, let's look on the, the individual level at home in our personal lives. What, sure. how would you encourage or guide, lead us into more action? So our uh, sort of sleight of hand, I would say, with our our corporate clients uh, is we sort of think the easiest on-ramp for most people, for for most people, home is number one, right? Ultimately, we are fundamentally somewhat selfish, which makes sense. Our families, our homes are just really important to us. And so uh, we do workshops focused on the business itself, but we do a lot of workshops focused on staff's Mm -hmm. homes. And that's a way to get people climate literate, get them enthusiastic and get them engaged because you focus on the stuff closest to them. And so uh, we help them. We have our own uh, carbon calculator, uh, the Berkeley. It's a version of the Berkeley Cool Climate Calculator, which is the most peer reviewed one. And what what we do is we have uh, them run through it. it takes like 12 minutes. And then people understand this is my footprint. This is how I compare globally. And most importantly, these are the big chunks, and they're almost always the same. Uh, and then they basically tie to uh, what we call the big six. And so this is these are the six big most six. impactful things, the big six, mm-hmm. the six most impactful things for most people uh, to reduce their footprint. And those, and we get them focused on that. So if you're going to do anything, these are probably the big ones for most people. So those are uh, switch to renewable energy which could mean switching via your utility, switching to community solar, which might actually save you money. If you're lucky to own a home, you might put solar panels up if you're in the right situation. Uh, so switching to renewable energy. Uh, driving, so you want to uh, reduce the miles that you drive, period, uh, carpool and that stuff if you can. And you want to electrify as many of, the, of them as possible. So we encourage all that and we help people along that route. Uh, then in the food department, uh, move to a plant-rich diet or up your plant-rich, uh, reduce the food waste uh, that you have, which is going to save you money and, and it's a great thing to do, and start composting or, or up your compost game. Uh, then we talk about offsets. Uh, if, you can, uh, if you have the budget, uh, buy as many as you can, ideally as many as your footprint, uh, so that you're in, in theory... Uh, what do you mean, sir? Offsets? Uh, so offsets are when you support uh, projects that either prevent carbon from going into the atmosphere or mm-hmm. sequester them. And so that's a way. Uh, so for most of us, you can do a lot to reduce your footprint, but ultimately you're not going to get as far as you need to go if you live in Western society. And so if you there's some great, not all, some of them are terrible. But if you're careful about how you select, there's some great projects out there that wouldn't happen without your money. And so you can uh, support those and and effectively uh, do your own Paris Agreement, sort of get your footprint down to to zero. Uh, uh, That's the sort of the concept. And so we teach about offsets. We also teach about uh, reducing and optimizing your flying. So flying is uh, generally a big part of a lot of people's Mm. footprint. Uh, and then we talk about building social norms. And the way we do that is just talking about sharing uh, and how important that is. Not in a judgy, uh, 
way, but in a tactful, positive, enthusiastic, helpful manner. Help people uh, share your journey and and uh, offer help uh, on theirs. We need to get people talking about this stuff such that we build the social norms because that is the way our world works. So we, when we, um, just when we sort of consider our behaviors, we look around at the people close to us. That's how we make the decisions. And you can see this so crystal clear in the last number of years where we seem to somehow have moved past fact-based, a fact-based society. And that's because your tribe matters more than the facts. You are willing to overlook the facts if that's what your tribe is saying. And so you can see how social norms are just incredibly powerful. Hmm. So we need to build new social norms that this is how we live. And by the way, We've gotten our uh, our priorities all sideways for a long time now. We con- we're confused about money and space and stuff, uh, and and its uh, connection to happiness. And uh, money makes a big difference, certainly in the uh, going from zero to roof over your head to food security. But once you're making a reasonable amount of money, then you can get a nicer bottle of wine or a nicer dinner or a different go to a different restaurant or vacation or you know at the high end you can get a different plane or a house or whatever but ultimately it really doesn't make that much of a difference we have way more space literally triple the space per person we have since the 50s uh, and happiness levels are flat so we have way more stuff way way more space and we're the same and so it's intuitive mm. we sort of know it. it life is about your connections your relationships your experiences that's mostly what drives happiness and so there's this great green future where we just live with a little less uh and but are very healthy and happy and and our our species flourishes so that's where we need to get to and that's Mm. what we're trying to do with the carbonates I wonder, then I had this chat last night with a friend about our level of expectations and how they've changed since, you know, uh, my parents were kids to to the kids of us now, you know, and the living standards, how they've just continued to, to develop and raise, I suppose. The bar keeps mm-hmm. going higher and higher. And yep. our thoughts were really that whilst we're here, I don't think we can go backwards to being comfortable with less now that we have more and will yeah. this need for more ever stop because that's the part of sort of the world that we live in to always have more and always to improve. And and it seems like I, I agree with you 100% that happiness is linked more to health and, and connections and social relations than any of the other stuff. Yes, it's important, you know, to have a, a shelter and roof over your head and food, um, but everything yeah. beyond that is is just that next level stuff that we all keep seeking because we think it's going to make us happier and it never does. But yeah, we know that. We know that. We know that. And you see that I think people intuitively. So my last company was called Life Edited. We did a lot of small living focus and not to pat myself on the back, but like we had I wrote an op ed for The Times. It was like the fourth most read for the year about it was called like living with less. Um, you know, so we always talked about less, but better. I gave a TED talk on the topic, like six million views, like People are interested and they get it. They know, wow, I've got too much stuff in my life. Like this just feels wrong. It's hard to manage. It's overwhelming. And, and, you know, 
absolutely at the lower levels when you don't have food security or whatever, like, you know, you don't have any time to yourself. Like, yeah, this stuff makes a difference, of course. But for anyone sort of in the top third or something, like it's just, it's it's nuts. And we use so many resources. So, so much of the carbon footprint is, is from like the top third, the top 10, the top 5%. Uh, and it's not making them any happier. So it's uh, it's just as it does yeah. not make any sense. And you see many people who get, you know, who take a more minimalist approach and 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 are very happy. It really is something special. Yeah. So next time we're sitting on the uh, Amazon or going to the shops thinking about that new thing we need, perhaps question whether you need it. Yeah. Just and that's impact, isn't it? pause on that and see a, a woman uh we do the sustainability dinners and uh, it was over uh last night and uh who, who was it? oh it was um charlene ermster she has this cool company called we are hot does like sustainable lingerie and, and swimwear and stuff and she was talking about um i can't remember who but basically the younger women uh putting together outfits be uh, virtual outfits, like designing, putting these things together. And what was really fascinating about it was they would sort of, it was very creative and they'd put it together, but then they wouldn't buy. It just was like that, the, the, what sort of, it got it out of their systems in a way, right? right. Like they, they, they did the creative part and then they didn't need to buy. And so I think that pausing, yeah, we just realize we don't, we just don't need stuff. And I think many of us have had very happy times in our lives, college with, you know, very little and sharing a room or going on vacation where you're in like a hotel room and you got one bag of stuff. And like, we're, we can be very happy with, with uh, not a lot of stuff. Yeah, 100%. The, um, the minimalist approach to, to living life. And I certainly, um, I can't say that I'm a minimalist, but um, have had those experiences where we've gone as a family over to Japan and lived there, you know, with three mm-hmm. suitcases in tow, and and um, felt that sense of freedom from yeah. from that from that experience. So, um, yeah. yeah, very very important. Talk to me about electronic vehicles. I mean, we talked about the the big six, so sustainable energy, solar power, things like that. Electronic mm-hmm. vehicles. I still hear this in conversations. Is it right? Is it not? you know, talking about making of the batteries and how we charge that. I mean, it's used um, carbon power to, to charge that, or coal power, I should say, to charge mm-hmm. those batteries at home. I mean, is that going to be better than our current system? So I think it's really important to look at everything, uh, not let perfect be the enemy of the good. Yeah, yeah. That's a really, really important concept. And often these discussions leave out what they're being compared to. And so, you know, my... Under, general understanding with electric vehicles uh, is that even if they were powered on the dirtiest electricity possible, which in the U.S. would be North Dakota, I guess, mostly coal-based electricity, they still, because electric engines are wildly more efficient in general, it's still going to have a lower footprint than than a gas car. So uh, there are some issues uh, with mining and some labor stuff for sure. And those are many people are working on those. Uh, if we can figure that out, they're going to make a lot of money by doing so. And so the, it's not perfect, uh, but it's a lot better. And like I said, like you can get renewable energy at your, if you're charging at home, you can get renewable energy wherever you live, certainly in the U.S., uh, Canada has very clean power. Uh, Europe can have very clean power. So you don't have to be charging uh, off of coal. Uh, 
Yeah. And and even if you are, it, it, it's it's going to be better. So yeah. uh, I think they're, they're very much a state. Uh, 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 the true answer to any of these questions is it depends. It's a nuanced world. And so it depends. Uh, listen, if you're getting the electric Hummer, which is you know ginormous and heavy and makes very little sense, and you're charging off full coal, and uh, you, you know it, it probably makes less sense. But sometimes it makes a ton of sense, and so uh, and I'd say most of the time it does. So I'm, yeah. I'm very pro uh, electric vehicles. So um, yeah, looking for that perfect solution, isn't it? And uh, I think that's. Mm-hmm. It's a nail on the head, that answer. Um, Food-wise, you talked about mostly plant-based diets, mm-hmm. less animal products. Yep. Explain the reasoning behind that. Uh, well, there, I mean, there, that one's multifaceted. And so yeah. carbonots, you know, we'll solve for carbon, but we could still end up having a pretty crappy uh, world overall. So there are other things that matter. And so animal cruelty is is definitely one. There are like, I don't know, 92 billion animals that we effectively, for the most part, torch, live a really torturous lives. So animal cruelty is something to consider. Um, health, pretty proven that vegetarian or vegan uh, diets make a very big difference. Uh, I have a friend who's uh, going through some heart uh, is- issues, and, and you know, you, you change change your diet, and it's you know, Bill Clinton did it. Like it's it's this is a real thing. Your diet really affects things, so so it can be very positive uh, from the diet front. And then from an environmental uh, factor, um, some of these, in particular particular uh, beef. And lamb, in particular, have like really high carbon footprints, and I'll often use a lot of water. Mm-hmm. And so, there are really good reasons to live more of a plant-rich diet. And as before, it depends. You know, in certain situations, there might be uh, aggressive uh, rotary uh, grazing done in the right manner. That you know, maybe you could create a hamburger that actually was carbon positive, or certainly a lot less. There are probably some answers out there, but on the whole with factory farming, et cetera, it's a really, they say it's beef is the most inefficient way to get a calorie into your body. Mm, yeah. It's just an inefficient way of doing things. And yeah, it tastes good. I still eat meat. Um, I try to stay away and I try to be very picky about beef and lamb in particular, not just eat it any old time, but only if it's particularly good, but I can easily see a future where I look, where we look back and are like, how did we ever do that? Like we know, uh, and certainly if we put our minds to it, we can create very tasty food that's much healthier and doesn't have 92 billion animals being tortured <laughs> every yeah. year. So there's a, I think there's a, there are very good arguments there. And I get it. We're, uh, it's cultural. We like the taste. Like, I understand. I'm a, generally a weekday vegetarian with some cheating. And so I end up probably half half vegetarian. But, like, I, I understand. It's, it's yeah. tough. It is, yeah. We um, we can associate with that, like trying to do more vegan meals or vegetarian meals during the week. And then weekends we, we cheat a bit. Um, yeah. They're finding that balance. But I think that's, a, again, a, you know, a good place to start with, you know, just reducing the consumption. I listened to a, a guy yesterday, uh, the the guy that um, termed the blue zones, you know, can't think of his name, mm-hmm. but blue zone diets, you know, and he talked about most of those diets in those blue zones, it's 90, 95% plants. 
and then just a small amount of animal products. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and yeah. you can see that. Like I lived in Japan and you can see the portions of the meat on their plates are a lot smaller. Yes. Um, so in the well, U.S., as an example, probably similar in other Australia and Canada, et cetera, but the, the portions have basically doubled. It used to be really the side the side dish, and it's become center stage. And so that's one way of looking at it is your portion size. And, and so it can be much more of a garnish. It can be different. Um, I have a, a friend, Andrew, who's got a company called Both Burger, and they basically mix 50% uh, other uh, vegetables in and they're delicious hmm. and they you don't you don't even know that you're eating vegetables which are good really so it's healthier for you it tastes the same perhaps better and you're eating half as much meat so there's some really smart yeah. approaches out there that is very pragmatic and so yeah you could you could you could eat meat exactly the same number of times but just reduce the portion size in half and and you're you're you know twice eating half as much meat like it, it's quite powerful layer that on with mm. a weekday vegetarian plan uh and you know try to really cut out lamb and beef and all of a sudden your your footprint is a fraction of what it was and you're still happy yeah i like it a lot of these things taking action in general you know you don't have to jump all in straight away dip your toe yep take yep. the first lap and then suddenly you'll be doing two Ks, you know. Exactly um, right. <laughs> so it's good, good stuff. I don't, How do we, K, um, I don't know if two K is very impressive, but let's go with ten K. Let's go with ten K. <laughs> let's. Uh, where do we send people to find out more about um, Carbonauts and yourself, and how they can get more information about taking action? Great. Yeah, we'd uh, you know very interested in talking to uh, sustainability or HR people at large companies. Uh, yeah, I work with uh, some great clients, Amazon, Chanel, Toyota, AT&T, News Corp, Discovery, uh, Warner Bros. Discovery, Netflix, et cetera. And so uh, would love to talk to them. Uh, TheCarbonautsPlural.com is a, a great place. Um, you can probably find me on LinkedIn, too, under Mr. Graham Hill. Uh, yeah, love to talk to anyone who needs help on their uh, both ESG and HR goals. Awesome. Brian, so good to have you on today. Yeah, great. I really appreciate the, the opportunity and it was really nice to talk to you. Thanks, mate. Guys, check it out at thehiddenwire.com. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcasts. 
You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose. And in doing so, you will discover your hidden why. This is The Hidden Why. My name is Lee Martinuzzi. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon.